For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Our scripture reading this morning is the ongoing story of God's extravagant love for the world. And because it comes from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, it is a gospel reading, so I invite you to stand if you're able. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who have come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I tell you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. I'm going to stand up myself. Um, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people loved darkness, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come from the light, so that it may be clearly seen, and that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. So Lent is about returning home from wherever it is that you've wandered. That's what Lent is. And um, I, have to, <laughs> I have to let you know that Lent is not about making sure that you nail the thing that you gave up, like that you get perfect gold stars on that thing. If you have failed on the thing that you have given up, I want to proclaim to you that you are free from that thing because Lent is not about getting a gold star in that thing. It's about something else entirely. So uh, the question, the undergirding question about this whole intriguing passage that we're going to have to take 
seven hours to really unpack, so get comfortable, is this, how, how are you when you don't quite understand how something works? And that's an all-play question. How are you in your spirit when you don't quite understand how something works? Frazzled, Frazzled frustrated. You said something, Anthony? Frustrated, scared, uncomfortable, anxious. I mean, this is like popcorn right now. It's amazing. Anxious, frustrated, troubled. Motivated. Motivated. Thank you, Charlie. Someone had to be positive. Furious, Betsy? Oh, curious in a furious kind of way. That's good. Thanks, Betsy. Procrastinate? That's what you do? Yes. When you don't know how something works. So uh, one of my favorite things about being a pastor is when people kind of sidle up to me. I can always tell what they're about to say because I've seen this look for many, many years. Um, and, and they don't know how to ask it, but they have this forbidden question that they want to ask. But they don't know if they can ask it because it's about God. Because they don't know if they're allowed to ask this devious of a question. Uh, it just happened to me last week out in the lobby, and I love it. And um, so where do you go when you're in the dark, especially about God, and you're questioning everything? What do you do when nothing makes sense anymore, when the things that worked for you in the past don't work for you anymore, and you've actually given up pretending that they do because it's way too much work? What do you say to yourself when it's all anxiety and fear? Who will hear your questions? And even if you find someone, will they give you answers? And will they be satisfying? So that's where we are this morning in the gospel text. In the gospel of John, John frequently writes about light and dark and how they interplay together. You heard it all throughout the story of Nicodemus and how Jesus responds afterwards. And this story is the same. Nicodemus is in the dark, and he has a strange encounter with the light, which he doesn't really know what to do with. So Nicodemus comes up to Jesus, and he says, we know you are from God. No one could do those signs that you are doing apart from God. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's really smart. He knows Torah inside and out. And what he's asking Jesus, how I would translate this question, we know you are from God, is, we're not sure if you're from God. <laughs> um, because some of the stuff you do is pretty amazing, but some of the other stuff that you do doesn't seem like it's from God at all. Like, remember that the temple that, like, your whole interaction in the temple, Jesus, last week, was crazy. I mean, that was nuts. No, none of us have ever done that, and that, that, that was really offensive, actually. Um, so when, we, when you say you're from God, or when people say you're from God, we have serious questions about that, because it doesn't seem like you are. The people that you're associating with and the people that you forgive of sins, which is blasphemy, uh, it doesn't, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't line up with what we believe about who God is. Um, some people are calling you a heretic. And so I want to hear from the horse's mouth. What is it that you believe? Um, so when Mary and I were engaged, actually, but right before we were engaged, uh, she was in a massive period of deconstruction. 
And I was in a period of black and white faith. My faith had, <laughs> my, my, that was an understatement. That was, that was Mary. That, that, that get, um, I had actually finally come to faith. I mean, for real. And so everything was right and wrong, black and white. And we, were, we had fallen in love. I wanted to ask this woman to marry me, but she was in this massive deconstruction phase. I mean, like she was questioning everything. So I had this really, like, I actually called her to find out if she was a Christian. <laughs> For real. And I was stumbling and fumbling over my words, and she figured it out. And Mary, if you know Mary, she, she goes, are you calling me to find out if I'm a Christian? And then she laughed because she was like the youth group star and the, you know, and I was the people that in the youth group, the people that they prayed for, like I was on a lot of prayer lists. <laughs> so Jesus answers this cryptic question with a kind of answer, non-answer. It must have been really frustrating. He said, well, um, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. So in other translations, we read being born again. So let's just, I mean, let's just get it out of the way. What are some reactions uh, that people have when you hear the words born again? Confusion, <laughs> Confusion. awesome. Eye rolls, yuck. Da doubt. <laughs> Charlie, can't reattach the placenta, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Whatever it is that your reaction to the words born again, uh, Jesus is, is inviting Nicodemus to try to see something that he currently doesn't see. Uh, Genao is the Greek word for being born. It really means um, one who brings, a noun, one who brings someone over to a different way of life. Like one who brings someone to cross over a threshold. That's what it means that Jesus says you have to be born from above. And really from above is the better translation. It's not born again. It's born from above versus born from a different place. So I think Jesus, the way what I would translate that is, uh, he is saying to Nicodemus, the way I go about introducing someone to the kingdom of God is utterly and completely different from the way you do it. You do it by insisting they follow the law. I do it by showing them the invisible mystery of the wind. You have to be born from above, born from the spirit or born from the wind. So that's Jesus's systematic theological answer for what it means to see the kingdom of God. I just introduced them to seeing the invisible, mysterious wind. Just makes total sense. <laughs> and so Nicodemus answers, well, how can anyone be born again, a la Charlie, uh, after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And again, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's versed in the Socratic method of call and response and answering. So he's not stupid and he's, he doesn't, like he's not saying like, what? I have to climb back into, he, he's, he's saying, all right, I will play along with your metaphor. Okay, 
But how is it that I'm supposed to change my entire way of life and thinking that I've invested a whole lot of energy into and that I really believe is true? I don't think Nicodemus is a bad guy. I don't think he's, you know, trying to mislead people. I think he's really trying to be a faithful spiritual leader of his people, and he's genuinely confused about why people are following Jesus. And uh, so here's an all-play question. At this point in the story, nine minutes into the talk, um, how are you feeling about Nicodemus? Are you associating with him and sort of saying, man, I kind of feel like Nicodemus half the time, or are you feeling a little superior to him? Ooh, yes, yes, says Charlie. Same question, same answer. I am him, but I feel superior to him. If you do feel a little superior to him, like, what an idiot. Um, I think Jesus would have a different answer for you about how it is that you're not seeing what you need to see. I was holding baby Russell, Tim, this morning little dude. And so I asked him if he believed in God yet. He's a month old. Uh, (laughs) He knowingly smiled at me and said, I've seen God much more recently than you have. So Jesus said, the wind blows where it chooses. This is his answer to Nicodemus saying, how how can I enter a second time into the mother's womb? Which he's saying, I get it. I get get what you're saying. You're saying it's, it's converting into a whole different way of thinking. But how can I do that when I've invested so much into my former way of thinking? That isn't all bad, by the way. Uh, Jesus said, the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And then he says, so it is with everyone who is born from the Spirit or born from above. So the wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus is kind of describing a kind of life that is led by something that is unpredictable and (laughs) might lead you here one day or here the next day. These kinds of people that Jesus is describing drive you crazy because like, you know, where are you going to be tomorrow? I'm not sure. (laughs) Depends. And so Nicodemus is struggling, I think. I think what Jesus is saying, here's my translation, is you're so close, you can detect something is different about the way I lead people, but you can't put your finger on it. And I think Jesus is saying exactly. That's exactly the way it is with the Spirit. Until you stop trying to put your finger on it, you'll never understand my Father's kingdom. Now, there's a difference between trying to understand things and having some theological conversations and trying to absolutely have an airtight, systematic theology where you can with certainty say exactly who God is and how God works and what God will lead you to do. So Jesus is really putting the pedal down on mystery and wind. 
So Nicodemus then says, how can these things be? It's amazing. (laughs) Finally, he's talking plain, right? How can these things be? Which should be our response nearly every Sunday. What? Huh? So um, here's part of Jesus' response. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. So, uh, three questions. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to have eternal life? And what does it mean to be condemned? Because that's really the questions that Jesus is trying to raise. So what does it mean to believe? The word believe in the Greek, pistuo, means to put your confidence in something, to trust in something. So um, it would be a totally appropriate conversation to have with someone who's about to go on a business trip tomorrow to ask them this. Do you believe in airplanes? Do you believe in them? To which, you know, you would say like, that's so, st- what, is, what a dumb question. And it's like saying, do you, do you believe in the new Taylor Swift album? You know, like, do, you, do, I, do I believe in airplanes? I, I, don't, I get on airplanes. Oh, yeah. Well, then, then that means you, you believe in them. You put your trust in them. But it'd be a pretty fascinating conversation for someone to say, like, oh, man, I can totally tell you exactly how, you know, an airplane works with the, with the wind going over the, over the, uh, the wings and the, the right amount of propulsion, then it'll fly. And, and you could quote the, the statistics of the safety regulations and, and um, that, that you'd know everything about how airplanes fly. But then, you know, you might, you might say, well, when was the last time you've been in an airplane? Oh, I've never been in an airplane. But I know how they fly. Um, When you understand that Jesus hung on the cross, not because God was punishing him, but because that was God hanging on the cross because of love, for God so loved the world, um, what do you do? What, what questions do you have about that kind of God? And does it move you to put your confidence, to put your trust in that kind of God who would not use violence but use love to try to tell people that they are forgiven. And I think we try so hard to make a formula out of what it means to be forgiven. Well, first of all, you have to believe a lot of stuff. And then you have to say a certain prayer. And if you say that prayer then you get to go to heaven when you die. And that's the formula. And I just, that, that formula to me is like saying, I know you're 75 years old, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna like 
keep speaking to you in, in, in baby language, in baby talking. Oh, you're so cute. Like, if you read the Gospels, there are so many ways that people come to faith in, in Jesus. One guy comes to faith in Jesus because he was lowered through the roof by his friends. And Jesus says, because of the faith of your friends, your sins are forgiven. So why, why don't we use that as the formula? Okay, if you want to go to heaven when you die, you got to have some really good friends. <laughs> as long as they have faith, you're going to be fine. Why isn't that the formula? <laughs> Amen. It's too hard to control, Danielle said. And then that, that brings us back to Jesus' words about the wind. You can't predict it. So believing in Jesus, according to what Jesus is saying in John 3, is really about where do you put your, your confidence in the way of living now? In whom or in what do you place your confidence to secure your life and your future? And I think you have to be honest about that. You know, and it's okay, whatever the answer is. It's probably a bunch of things, you know. Maybe it's your spouse or your paycheck. But it's funny, like I, you know, every once in a while people talk to me about starting Genesis and oh my gosh, you must have been really nervous to give up your guaranteed paycheck to do something totally new. And then I go, what guaranteed paycheck? Like, talk to anyone around here who's ever been laid off. Like, is there a guaranteed paycheck? No, there's never a guaranteed paycheck. Guaranteed paycheck? What? Believing means placing your confidence in. It doesn't mean not having questions. And what does it mean to have eternal life? The word eternal, ionios is the Greek word, means without beginning and without end. Now, remember as a kid, like, did you ever try to think about eternity as a kid? Like, in, you know, you're going to be in heaven forever. Remember how much that hurt? And like, you almost had terrified you? Like, forever? <laughs> That's terrifying. Like, just even thinking about it is like, I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't, I, ah. Because everything else has an ending. Seasons have endings. Days have endings. School days have endings. But the word eternal means without beginning or ending. Without beginning or ending. So what if we tried to understand eternity as a quality of life versus a quality of time? What would it mean to start living an eternal kind of life here and now? To join God in God's work of making all things new now. Looking at George, George has started a bunch of companies, and one of them that he started um, employs formerly incarcerated people. And it's an incredible company, Tech Dump. You've maybe donated some old computers and stuff to it. And um, George one day was thinking about how, how, do I, how do I join God? Maybe he wasn't using this word, this kind of language, but how do I join God in making all things new? Well, the people that are incarcerated have a really hard time getting jobs, even when they're out, even when they try really hard. Like that's the same thing that Molly was saying about mile and my shoes. So why don't I create a company that hires only formerly incarcerated people? That's pretty awesome. That's an eternal kind of life. That's living an eternal kind of life. 
It doesn't take away from heaven when you die. That's, that's all there. But to think that that's when eternity starts, remember, eternity has no beginning or an end. It's just this river that is flowing. So what, will you jump in the river or not? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that by talking about what does it mean to be condemned? Because that's in there too. And we don't like to talk about that when it comes to Jesus. So the word condemned is judging, determining, condemning, ruling, or separating. That's what it means. God didn't send the Son into the world to, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe in him are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So I'll play question. What does it mean that those who do not believe are condemned already? They're already living in darkness. Okay, what else? God didn't condemn them. They're already condemned. They're condemned by, they're living their own hell right now. Like hell, if hell is for eternity, and that's, you know, up for debate. But it didn't, it doesn't start later. You might be living in hell right now. You might be living a condemned kind of life right now. Which, but that's what Jesus is, is saying. So, picture Jesus on the cross, two thieves next to him, one on the right, one on the left. And one of the criminals who was hanging there kept deriding Jesus, kept saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting exactly what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So one thief was living a life of judgment. You could hear the judgment just pouring off of his mouth. And it was toward Jesus, but that's just because that's, that's how he had already been living a life of condemnation and, and judgment. And it just, it's like it kept investing and investing and investing and investing. And then at the end of his life, it was just nothing but condemnation because that's what he had sowed and so that's what he reaps. Now, the other guy, it's interesting. We don't know. Like, maybe he had spent his whole life condemning, but he had some kernel of that eternal kind of life that is good in him that made him at the very end say, this is crazy, and then all he said was, Jesus, remember me when you get into the kingdom. Now, Jesus, and I'm being a little pejorative here, but Jesus didn't go, okay, hold on. What do you believe about me? Uh, what do you believe about heaven and hell? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe? Those things are all important. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm just saying this thief placed his confidence in Jesus, and who knows what he even knew about Jesus? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in, in, in paradise because the eternal kind of river, the eternal kind of life, you're in the flow right now. What does it mean to live an eternal kind of life? And what does it mean to live an eternal kind of life of condemnation? That's not future language. Well, it is future language, but it's also present language. And putting your confidence in Jesus 
and his way of life means that you're saying there is no possibility of life without your spirit in me and without you leading me toward that which is pure and good and true and right. And I'll have lots of questions and I'll get it wrong a whole lot. But I want to put my confidence in you. The psalm for this week, um, I'm going to close with this. The psalm for this week, there's two verses. Um, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Why did they cry to the Lord? Because they had confidence and that's how they would get delivered. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He sent out his word. Jesus is the word of God, P.S., you got, we all know that, right? We're all clear on that. Jesus is, is the word of God. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. That's what God does. That's why we can put confidence in God. God delivers us from our destruction. So we're going to spend 60 seconds of silence, which is opening up some space to stop hearing my voice <laughs> and to maybe start hearing God's voice. After it's time, Scott will lead us through the prayers of confession and then into the Eucharist. So come Holy Spirit, speak to us now.